Hey guys, Jason Davis here. Uh, with everything that's going on out there in culture, in the school system, especially the public school system, right? And drag shows and everything in between, our kids are under attack daily. And that's why I wanted to tell you today about the Tuttle Twins books. Tuttle Twins is really, it's the only books uh, that I know of for kids that really help them develop critical thinking skills about real world concepts, economies, finance, government, freedom, liberty, the free market, how to be self-reliant and outside the system. Right now, we just all have to recognize the world's full of companies and people and politicians that want to expose and influence our kids and in ideas that we don't support. And so that includes school teachers, unfortunately. So Tuttle Twins empowers parents. I encourage you to check them out at TuttleTwins.com or if you go to my website at DontTreadOnLiberty.com and go to Freedom Partners under Tuttle Twins, there is a special offer for you. So DontTreadOnLiberty.com under Freedom Partners. Check out the Tuttle Twins and we do have a special offer for you. Well, let's get back to the show. I hope you enjoy this week. God bless. Fighting back against the left's nonstop attacks on liberty, freedom, and America. America. This is Don't Tread on Liberty. Jason Davis is on the air. Hey, welcome back to Don't Tread on Liberty. Thanks for being here. I'm Jason Davis back, and we have more information. Today, we're going to actually go into um, something we really haven't talked much about yet. But it's a huge implications for um, our nation and the country. And of course, I'm talking about the recent Supreme Court ruling uh, overturning Roe versus Wade. So let me bring in my guest today, who's actually a, a pro-life attorney. Um, she is the VP of Legal Affairs with the Right to Life League out of California. So she's been very busy fighting uh, California policies on abortion, because um, we all know what kind of nut jobs run that state over there. Uh, Susan Swift Arnold is with us, counselor. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, I appreciate you being on. This is a fascinating topic for me. Um, so first, I want to start with the the Roe versus Wade overturn, which, just so you know, I don't think that went nearly far enough. And in my personal opinion, the Supreme Court is a joke. I don't think they really understand the Constitution or what their role is inside of it anymore. But that being said, um, you as an attorney, I would really like to hear your take because for some reason, the Supreme Court's sole job, as you well know, is to determine constitutionality of laws and rules and things like that. That's their only job. Their job is not to consider anything else, not to consider how many people die or what kind of problems socially that might create or anything else. So why do you think it is that the high court whose sole job is to protect the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness of all people, including infants and unborn, why do you think they're so reluctant to protect the life of the most innocent? I don't think that they're reluctant. I think that perhaps um, you, maybe there's a misunderstanding about its purpose. I think a lot of times we, the people, we look to the court as though they are the final arbiter of everything and that they are kind of all powerful as though they're kind of like the president, if you will, that they can just make these pronouncements. But really what the Supreme Court is, it is a court of limited jurisdiction because our constitution was set up so as to limit 
the federal government. That's the entire purpose of the Constitution. And so the court itself is somewhat limited. I think they worked within that construct, within that framework to the best of their ability. What they did is, and it's called strict constructionist or being a, as opposed to being a progressive that tends to rewrite the law, you, know, you look at the law and you interpret it and rewrite it. The other side of that is to be a strict constructionist, to look at the letter of the law and say, well, that's what it says. I'm going to stick exactly with this language. If you guys don't like it, you need to make a new law. That's what they did in the case of the, you know, the Dobbs ruling. They took a look at Roe versus Wade and they said, now, wait a minute. We have never in the history of our country, whether it's just the common law history, just just how states conducted themselves in our constitutional language anywhere. There is nothing that says there is a right to abortion. And so that issue, according to our Constitution, is one of the many issues that remains with the states, that the states have that authority to legislate that matter. It is not for us to decide. That's a very strict constructionist view of that. And so that's how they, they got there. They said, look, there's nothing in the Constitution. There's nothing in our history that allows it. That means it goes back to the states, which is a very good result because the, the federalism has been growing that the, the, somehow the, the power of government in the federal realm has grown and grown and grown. They've abused the 10th Amendment time and time again. They have, you know, they just the, just the, like the, the commerce clause alone has been used to, you know, you could drive a Mack truck through it. Yes, pun intended. But that's what they're doing is they're extending and overreaching with federal power. This decision, Dobbs, was a brilliant example of restraining federal power and putting the federal court and the federal legislature right back in their place where they belong. Now, do I wish they had gone farther like you said? Yes. I think they, if they had wanted to, they could have looked at our Declaration of Independence, which you cited, which is that our rights come from our creator and that we are endowed with certain inalienable rights, among those being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in that order. You can't have liberty, freedom, if you don't have life first. I wish they could have interpreted that as part of our founding documents and looked at it and said, well, it is in our Declaration of Independence, and therefore there is a a right to life that overrides any false right of abortion. I wish they'd gone that far, but they didn't. So what they did is they actually restrained and kept the federal judiciary system and the federal laws in their place where they should be, which is restrained by our constitution. Yeah. So I understand the strict constructionalist view and all of that stuff. The problem is, is they don't often follow that. They typically, right. you know, I, I mean, just one example would be like the Obamacare decision. Where well, that was John Roberts, wasn't it? it? It's a tax. Yeah, I know. And and I just wonder so, if maybe in, in all of the negotiating, maybe it was, well, we could get five justices and Roberts was kind of like a very weak sixth, you know, that at least would get this, you know. Roe versus Wade overturned. I am sure that Alito and Thomas had spent probably 20 years thinking about this, writing about this, and pondering a way to overturn Roe versus Wade. So I'm glad that whatever they did to get the 5-4, or really it's 6-3, but it's really 5-4, but to get Roberts to kind of sign on, for, maybe that was the price of being able to say, well, we can't reach to find the right to life, but we can sure limit 
the federal government and say there is no right to abortion because there isn't. No, there isn't, but there shouldn't be really because murder is illegal, right? I agree with you. I agree. Okay. So a few more so, elections and maybe we'll have a more conservative court, I hope. If elections were real, that might be possible. Okay. I know, it's a whole other problem. Hey, we're, they're working on it in you know, places like Arizona and Georgia. It, look, pe- yeah, people are working on all of this. I'm on the ground in Arizona and things are not good, I promise you. Um oh. So let's get to California because, you know, all the abortionists went bonkers when this decision came out. Yeah, yeah, and, it did. And I was surprised that, you know, it wasn't like a George Floyd all over again with cities burning down and things like that. They tried it here at Phoenix at the state capitol, but uh, state police weren't having it. They got them out of there real quick. Um, but the thing about it is now in California, they're trying to pass legislation to make it legal to commit infanticide, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm calling it the abortion apocalypse. We're about three or four days away from the abortion apocalypse when they're going to finish passing a slew of these bills, the worst of which are, there are four of them. SB 1142 is the abortion tourism bill. They're going to authorize, you know, they're going to fund, not just authorize, fund uh, travel for women from any of the 50 states. Come on into California. We give you free travel. We're going to give you free lodging wage, you know, lost wages. We're going to even give you child care. Yes, you can bring your own children with you so you can abort their youngest sibling. That, that That's all paid for by the California taxpayers and actually more than just the taxpayers. Biden just uh, signed it in early August. He signed an executive order that tells HHS, Javier Becerra, to please help get Medicaid funding to make sure that these women can get their, you know, their plane, their train or their automobile out here to California so that they can get their free abortion. So he's going to be using taxpayer dollars from everywhere uh, to be able to do this. So that's 1142 abortion tourism. The second really horrible one is AB 2223. That's the infanticide bill. Um, uh, That's drafted by Buffy Wicks. So I like to call it Buffy's baby slayer bill, because that's what it's going to do. It's going to prevent investigation or any civil or criminal liability whatsoever for a mom. They, they refer to moms as pregnant persons or persons who may become pregnant because, you know, we're correct out here. So any mom who procures an abortion and anyone who helps her do it. Anyone. It doesn't have to be a doctor, a nurse, anyone. It can be the boyfriend. It can be the grandma. It can be the neighbor next door. It can be the trash man. doesn't matter. Anyone who assists her, the mother and anyone are immune from any civil or criminal liability for the abortion or for perinatal death due to causes that occur in utero. Well, what does that mean? Perinatal means after birth. Like prenatal is before birth, perinatal is after birth. So you're talking about perinatal death, that's a dead baby, okay, a baby born alive and dies due to causes that occur in utero. Well, that's not defined. Well, what does that even mean? Well, it certainly means something like a chemical abortion that goes that, that gets botched, right? So you take mifeprex and misoprostol and you slowly starve the baby, interrupting progesterone, then you deliver the baby two days later. A lot of times it's dead. Sometimes it's not. It's alive. Right. And uh, and it doesn't matter that are we just going to make it comfortable, like Governor Northam would say in Virginia, and we're just going to let it die there on the table or 
what happened in, I believe it was Nebraska. There was a woman and a, and her grandma, they decided to uh, wrap the baby up. She, she took the chemical abortion, delivered a 24 week viable baby boy, wrapped it up in plastic to suffocate it and lit it on fire and buried it. Now that would not be, in, you could not investigate that under AB 2223 in California. Why? Because the pregnant person wanted a preferred pregnancy outcome, which is a dead baby. And you can't go after the grandma who bought the, you know, the abortion pills or the mom who took them, right? And you can't investigate whether or not the perinatal death was due to causes that occur in utero. Because the bill says, if you investigate that death, you can be liable for uh, a private cause of action, $25,000 plus attorney's fees and costs. So no one, practically speaking, is going to investigate the death of a baby that's under 28 days old. Why 28 days? Because the definition of perinatal in California law is the period between the beginning of conception to 28 days after birth. So that first 28 days of life is within the perinatal period. And so conceivably under this law, I mean, hey, if the baby dies two weeks old and someone can point to a cause that occurred in utero, no one's going to investigate. No one's going to no one's going to find out what really killed this baby. Okay, now. You're saying that it will exempt them from any um, criminal or civil liability, criminal or civil liability, meaning meaning. And I just want to make sure that we're all clear about this. What that means, folks, is that even if a sheriff or a prosecutor wanted to charge this, he could not. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Now, second question on that. Do you expect this bill to pass? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It will. Okay. In your legal opinion, can it be overturned? Well, there is on the books the California Born Alive uh, Act, which entitles a child that is born as a result of an abortion to the same rights as a child that's born at the same age. So like, I don't, I, I don't want to say normal, but an, an unaborted child. So if, if a, a child is born at, you know, 30 weeks prematurely because of a botched abortion, and that child gets the, the same rights and level of care as uh, another baby that would be born at 30 weeks, right? So that, that, that already exists in law. The law is there, but it's in the practical application. So yes, you you could possibly prosecute the mother for violating the uh, infant born alive protection in California, but to obtain evidence to do so, you'd have to investigate how the baby died. And if it's all you need is somebody said due to causes that occur in utero because AB 2223 strips the coroner's duty to actually investigate. It makes it kind of optional. So there's no investigating authority. And if anyone even threatens an investigation, like the sheriff comes around and the baby's, you know, within two weeks old or something, or maybe a first responder or even um, a mandated reporter, if they start saying, well, uh, how did this baby die? Uh, mom or grandma or boyfriend can just say, you ask me one more question and I can uh, slap a lawsuit on you. So practically speaking, nobody's going to bother investigating a newborn death where the mother has consented. Now, if the mother doesn't consent, obviously, then then that's a that's a different thing. But it's all dependent upon the mother's consent at the time. What about the father? Well, of course, they don't have any reproductive rights. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't consider men's rights. I mean, literally one half of our population has no reproductive rights. Because well, I mean, wait a minute now. Wait a minute, though, counselor. I mean, 
So in California law, if a couple, uh, if a family unit is separated by divorce, is the husband not entitled to 50% of custody of his child? The interesting question is when we're going to start talking about Proposition 1. That is, uh, that's a proposition that they've just put on the ballot. We're going to, in California, going to be able to vote on it. That's the one that says the state shall not deny or interfere an individual's reproductive freedom. And that, to me, is so broad, I kind of start wondering, have they thought that through? Because that's talking about men's reproductive freedom, too. Doesn't a man have the right to have a child as well, right? How come the woman is the only one who gets to decide the fate of this child? And it'll be very interesting if Proposition 1 passes. It's so broad. I wonder, does the state even have standing or authority to adjudicate exactly that question? Maybe it can't because we're going to have a California constitutional amendment that says the state shall not interfere or deny an individual's reproductive freedom. It'll be an interesting question. So if that's the case, then um, if the father has no say in the life of his child on this case here, that means that he he should have no obligation to pay child support in all other custody cases. Well, you'd say that, that, that makes far too much sense. That really does. I mean, really. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, counselor, like, look, if we're talking about uh, constitutional law here, that is not fair and equal treatment under the law, correct? I would agree with you. And the, the problem is our laws are imbalanced. I mean, if you're going to give a woman an absolute right to kill a baby, how and, and that's her reproductive freedom, how come men don't have the right to rape, right? It sounds like a huge, wrong, it sounds right? to me like a huge discrimination lawsuit, uh, class action beyond anything that you've ever seen. That's what it sounds like. I, uh, I I hope you're right, uh, but yeah, judges typically just want to make sure that the woman gets to do what she wants. So it's it's very sad. What we need to do is start changing the hearts and minds of women and start reassuring them and telling them it's okay. We'll walk beside you. We'll big sister with you. We will support you. And there are plenty of places in California. We we represent over sixty pro life clinics, centers, and maternity homes all up and down California. That's what the Right to Life League does. And and all of these places. Are private nonprofit, you know, charitable organizations that just serve women in crisis and say, look, we'll help you. We'll walk you through it. You need housing. We'll find housing. Don't worry about it. We will get you any resources you want, you know, job training, you name it. And they're all up and down the state. But of course, they don't get any press and they don't get any federal money, uh, not federal, I'm sorry, state money, because the state's all about funding abortion only. So there, there, there's so many places they actually outnumber the, the the number of abortion centers in California, and they are they're on shoestring budgets, and they are ministering. They're they're doing the will of God, reaching out to these women to provide anything. Just says whatever whatever you do, just don't kill your baby. We'll help you, and they're saving lives every day. That's how we're going to end abortion. Not with all of these crazy laws that try to empower reproductive justice for persons of pregnancy and color and all of, I mean, th this is crazy talk. Well, we should well, be just helping. Well, you know, well, you know, there could be an upside to this because, you know, with all this transgender stuff, maybe the men can just say they are the mother. They because can identify women, right. And, they, they, and you know what? not all women have uteruses, right? Because some people identify as women, right? So, <laughs> and then, the, and we're, we're going to start having to put uh, implant uteruses in men. I, I think that would be the next logical step so that they can become pregnant too. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. Now, you mentioned the constitutional amendment, and I understand that California is trying to put one on the ballot to make abortion yeah, a not- right under the state constitution. Is that right? That's the one I was talking about, Proposition 1. That's the state uh, uh, proposition that they're trying to put in our state constitution. It's called Proposition 1. And that would make not, not only it's, – it's very broad. It includes abortion, but it's the state shall not deny or interfere with an individual's reproductive freedom. Whoa, so that's bigger than abortion. That that could include uh, transgender, uh, all kinds of whatever reproductive freedom you want it to be, right? And and that's the problem with this kind of broad language. What does that mean? It's not defined. It's consistent, though. I like it. It's my body, my choice, unless you're talking about the COVID-19 vaccine, right? That's right. And then you have to get the vaccine. That's right. Because then it's not choice, it's government's choice, right? So one very interesting thing that I want to talk to you about is something you're talking about with climate birth control. You think you think they're going to merge climate change with birth control. Tell me about that. Well, I think they're they're trying to the, the whole climate change argument has gone through so many iterations. It, it was global warming and and now it's climate change because the, the world is not warming and it's actually cooling. <laughs> Well, you can't blame humans because it's really the sun. So they're trying to do it. What they're trying to do is control little carbon footprints. So there you go. That's if we can just get enough people to stop having babies, maybe that that will help control the climate. Oh, it's the depopulization. That's okay. So we're back to that. You know, when I was a kid, you're probably um, you probably remember this. I don't want to date you or anything. But when I was a kid, we were going to face the new ice age. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you remember Paul Ehrlich's The Population Bomb? Look, there have been books, and it it goes all the way back to John Malthus. They have been saying that we're all going to starve to death or freeze to death or or burn up or whatever. They've been saying this for 200 years, that there's going to be, because of population, we're all going to die. AOC says it all the time, right? And and we're running out of time. We have less than 12 years. I mean, it's like there's a clock countdown. And what that clock countdown really is is for their ability to control the global population controlling it using you know food energy uh the vaccine mandates anything that it takes to control and there's just too many of us you know individualized american thinkers out there and so we've got to kind of control that population too they've been trying to control our thought for many many years that's that that's the ultimate mind control if you will but i think abortion is one aspect of population control. Yeah. Yeah. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And they're committing abortions with adults all the time now with the, uh, you know, the, you know what, uh, millions of people dropping dead from that. Um, so how can people help you and get involved and fight with you at the right to life league? Well, I, I just got to encourage them. Please go to our website. It's right to life league dot org or dot com, but right to lifeleague.org. And please, you know, I don't know, send us a cup of coffee. We're not woke. We don't have any merch. And what we do is everything that we do is to make sure that these clinics, centers, and homes are operational in California. We provide so many different services from ultrasound machines to HR boot camps and administrative trainings, anything that they need to make sure that they're corporate compliant with all of these loony state laws and so that they can keep their doors open. That's one thing we do. We also educate the people about abortion. Uh, Fundamentally, that abortion is not 
health care. That's a lie. Abortion is the intentional killing of a human being in the womb. That's the purpose of abortion. If we were really talking about health care, we would be talking about delivery, which saves the mother's life much faster than abortion does and gives the chance to the baby to live too. Even an ectopic pregnancy, I know it's not going to survive, but at least you remove it humanely and, and you save the mother's life and you do it faster than with abortion. So abortion is not health care. That's another thing we do is educate. We support these clinics. And we also advocate against these pro abortion expansion bills up in Sacramento. I've been up there so many times. They know me now. They don't like me. They look at me. Oh, it's her. So yeah, we have, uh, you can check us out on YouTube. I think there's about 50 different uh, times that we've had. I've either been up there, Teresa Brennan has been up there, or we have arranged for different witnesses, experts to testify against a lot of these bad bills. And that's what we do. And if you want to buy us a cup of coffee, we're not Starbucks. Like I said, we are not woke and it will go to fund all of these programs directly. So, and a lot of people wonder, well, you know, how do I know that, you know, my money will go to actually support pro-life? California is ground zero. The Bielenson bill was the start of therapeutic abortion bills back in 1967. That's when we started, January 1st, 1967. That's our first board minutes. And a group of uh, founders that were doctors and lawyers and concerned citizens said, we've got to go talk to Governor Reagan. And they went up to Sacramento and they had a meeting with Governor Reagan. And it went, it was supposed to be 15 minutes. It went for an hour. And they educated him about the truth of what abortion was. And then after that, he said, well, I've given my word to the Democrats that I would sign the Bielenson bill but I give you my word now that I will never sign another pro-abortion piece of legislation. And he kept his word even when he was president. So that's how we got started, the Right to Life League. That was six years before Roe versus Wade ever got started. So if you want to know where, where can I put money that will actually help fight against abortion, California's ground zero. We're about to start the abortion apocalypse in about four or five days when August 31st at midnight, all these bills will be uh, signed and go to Governor uh, Newsom's desk, and that'll be it. And we're going to be having abortion on demand 24-7, funded by the uh, United States taxpayer, not just California, because Biden's blue state bailout sent us a ton of money. We have $100 billion in state surplus, and a lot of it, at least $125 million, is going to be going for all of these different abortion services. So if you want to stop it, help us. Help us keep these clinics open. Help us educate and help us lobby against these these insane bills. That's what we do. And we need, we need people out here helping us do it. Okay. I understand that. Do you have any plans uh, to mount an appeal against these uh, bills once they're signed? Well, I, we're, we're thinking about that, but there are also other places that already do that. ADF is one, Thomas More. I think there are a lot of different law firms that are, uh, they are cutting edge, ready to go. And I, I, I don't doubt that they will be doing that. And we are in con and actually in conversation with them on several different matters as well. So can't go into the specifics, but I am sure that there are going, there are going to be challenges. Uh, most of these bills, by the way, just the funding bill, we already have a California state constitutional ruling from the, the Supreme Court of California that says you can't just fund uh, reproductive services. You can't just fund uh, abortion. You have to also fund childbirth. You can't do just one side. You have to do it equally. And all of these bills violate that. So I, I'm sure that they will all be challenged at some point because they are unconstitutional according to our state constitution, according to that ruling in 1981, which is Committee to Defend Reproductive Rights. 
that's the case. So it's like all of these laws are unconstitutional, guys. Or is it just because back then it was you couldn't spend it on childbirth services? That's what happened then. So we'll see. But I'm absolutely sure that a lot of these bills are going to be challenged once they become law. I think you have a couple of good cases to challenge on. I do. Uh, and there's a couple different aspects, that, angles that you can take. So I hope that somebody does that if it's not you. Um, last question. You mentioned, uh, you know, the the whole, oh, it's healthcare, um, you know, but it's not healthcare, right? I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because there's a lot of these different talking points that these pro-abortion nut jobs like to throw out there. So like when I talk about abortion, um, they say you can't talk about it because you're a man. Can you no, address- there is no choice. I know, right? <laughs> and again, my my argument is then don't ever ask a man to pay child support. Yeah. There you go. Um, so there are a bunch of other ones, though. You know, you like you've heard them, right? Like, oh, I mean, what about for, uh, you know, rape or incest? I mean, what about that, counselor? That's right. Well, um, we actually just did, um, we put out a flyer and I have a, a, an article up on our website, righttolifeleague.org. If you want to go to news and events, we just put it out, which is basically answers to these abortion arguments, 10 answers. And rape and incest is one of them. First of all, um, rape and incest is less than 2%. I mean, it's it's it with like with ectopic pregnancy, we are talking about less than 2% of all abortions. So could we just please stay on point? 98% of abortions are not done for this. So you're letting the tail wag the dog. But in the cases of rape and incest, they are very tragic and they are traumatic. And everybody agrees. This is the hard case for, for anyone. You know, Uncle Joe uh, rapes his 14-year-old niece, right? That, that's, that's the tragedy. Well, it's not going to make it better by killing a baby. We don't have to do that. What we have to do is comfort that girl and help her walk through it because now we're just going to be compounding it. And we still have, we're still denying the humanity of that baby. And we're, we're discriminating against that baby based on the, 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 the way in which he or she was conceived. Just like if it were, I don't know, a, a different ethnicity. Well, you know, I mean, back in the day, it would have been if, if it was an interracial couple that, that maybe that baby should would have been discriminated against, right? You're doing the same thing now by saying that this person, this baby really shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be allowed to live. You're, it's kind of like saying, um, well, I'm, I'm pro-life, but I, I really, I do respect the woman's right to choose. <laughs> That's like saying, well, yeah, I'm, I'm anti-rape, but uh, I think it's okay for everybody to have their own um, reproductive rights. Uh, what? I mean, no, rape is wrong. We can't say that you can, you can rape someone because that's your personal preference. Same thing with abortion. You cannot, you cannot dehumanize and kill another human being just because they're inconvenient to you. It's just wrong. So it's a, it's a hard case, but it's not going to make that, let that girl feel any better when she knows that she's killed that baby. Why don't we help her? Why don't we, we love her and walk through it with her and provide her everything. I mean, we have a hundred billion dollars state surplus. I'm sure we can make sure that that girl is taken care of and that she has a wonderful life after she delivers that baby. Yeah. And, you know, when I always bring up the fact that if she doesn't want the baby just because of the symbolism of the whole thing, there are options for adoption. And then yeah. and then I'm crucified for that because, you know, that's a broken system and it doesn't work. Oh, and this that's and that. such a lot. There are 36 couples for every baby that gets put up for adoption. That's how many there are. 
These are statistics. These are real things. There, there's that many people. Over 8 million Americans have already considered adoption at one time or another. There are plenty of people that some of them can't have babies and they would love to adopt. And okay, if our adoption system is broken, then let's spend money and fix it. Yeah. Okay. So you don't get to say, well, it's broken. Therefore, I get to kill a human being. Okay. Uh, right. That, that doesn't make any sense at all. Let's fix the system. Let's make sure that every child gets to to be adopted out. And so that, yeah, you don't have to parent a child, give yeah. it life, be tolerant of life for nine months. And we will, we will find a way for that baby to have a wonderful life. And it's also a myth to be able to say, well, it'll, it'll have a, it'll have an awful life and therefore I should kill it. No one, <laughs> no one is better off dead. That's, that's ridiculous. There have been so many people that have been born into abject poverty and all kinds of challenges in their life. And they've gone on to be, you know, soccer players and neurosurgeons. I mean, Dr. Ben Carson was born in abject poverty and look at him, right? I mean, there's, so you can't, you're assuming somebody's going to have a bad life and you're going to save them from a less than perfect life. I mean, what kind of presumption is that? Well, they presumed, they presumed that they're God is what they do. And um, they, I guess, think they can decide who lives and who dies. And the bottom line is we all, uh, anybody with the brain would agree murder is wrong. Yes. And let's not do it. Right. And how about we just love and, and the, the way we conquer this, because most of them, I really believe most women are in fear. They are afraid a lot. 75 percent of them are below poverty limits that that are choose abortion. That's not a choice when you're at poverty limit and you're going to think, oh, my gosh, I have to choose between baby for you formula and maybe a house or, you know, housing or anything. You're at that. That is not a choice. Let's really fund choice if it's true choice. Right. Let's help these mothers. Let's say you don't have to worry. There's going to be housing for you. There's going to be there's going to be shelter. There's going to be food there. We're going to help you find employment. We're going to take care of you. We have the money to do that. So it's a false choice that they're advertising. It's it's just wrong. We can we can save the mother and the child and is how you end abortion, not by arguing, not by legislation, but by caring for those women and for helping them and, and walking it through with them. And that's the long-term solution. It's not the quick fix that Planned Parenthood and the abortion cartel want to push because they make money off of that and they sell the baby parts, right? That's how they make money. So let's, let's fund long-term care and education for these women and get them out of poverty and get them out of the desperate situation that they find themselves in. That's how we end abortion. And the other thing that nobody seems to be talking about is we talk to all of the young men that are participating in this because somebody is getting these women pregnant. Now, who is that? Right. But they're not all, they're not, most of them are not victims of rape. So how about we start talking to the young men and the old men and whoever they are and just say, you know, son, uh, you should never give that kind of power to a woman to kill your baby. So you need to you need to have your own method of restraint that you never you never abuse a woman as a sexual object. You never take advantage of her, and you make sure that when you are ready to have children, that you do it within a bond of marriage and love, and so that you never have to be outside of an abortion clinic begging to get in while your woman is on a table getting your your baby killed. And that's on men. So they need to step up to the plate to defend these women, defend their babies, love them and do the honorable thing by saying, I'm going to make sure that I make children with someone that I really want to care for. And if there is a problem, I'm going to step up and I'm going to take care of that baby for the rest of my life, because that's what being a man really is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, so everybody check it out. Right to lifeleague.org. Attorney Susan Swift Arnold. Thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. God bless you.
Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Don't Tread on Liberty with Jason Davis. Subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, or your favorite platform. For more Liberty news, check out www.donttreadonliberty.com and subscribe to the blog or join the conversation. 